Hello and welcome to the UK Consults, our occasional ramble through all things to do with public consultation, digital engagement, citizen participation and other online experiences. And this week we've got something completely different for you. We can't even squeeze in our usual shout outs and special mentions for the great work people are doing out there on creating great citizen engagement and public consultation. We're not even able to give them a mention, but we will do in the future. So grab a coffee and a cake and join us as we talk to Louise Darby from Leeds Federated Housing Association and Paul Nettleton from Catalyst Housing, which is now part of the Peabody Group, as we talk to them about the very important and topical subject of accountability and transparency in housing in the UK. In this pre-recorded interview, you'll hear us talking about why this subject is so important to the sector um, and the role that digital engagement can play in, addre in addressing accountability and transparency. We'll talk about their organization's journey in terms of using digital engagement to address these things. We'll talk about the particular things that they were looking for in the technology, why they chose Engagement HQ, why they chose Gov Delivery. We'll talk about their plans for the future and how they, how they hope to accelerate their digital maturity, the role that leadership plays in this and the reaction that they've had from their colleagues and residents in their community. It's a bumper episode. It will take some time to get through, but there's so much insight in here. We hope you enjoy it. And we're really grateful to both Louise and Paul for joining us on the UK Consult. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning. So just really briefly, let's start off with some introductions. We've got a really exciting panel on today. So I'll kick off. I'm Charlie Puttick. I'm the Business Development Manager for Granicus, and I specifically focus and specialise in tenant engagement for our housing clients. So obviously, we've got two of our fabulous housing clients on today. Um, we've got Jonathan Bradley as well. So, Jono, do you kind of want to introduce where you sit in the business for Granicus as well. Hi, uh, good morning everybody, um, good afternoon or good evening, just in case we've uh, got people from far and wide. I head up the Granicus Experience Group in the UK. We try and create great online experiences um, and, and on Granicus technology and that includes better engagement and helping housing associations listen to the voice of residents and, and customers. So uh, it's the digital agency within Granicus. Um, so lots of experience in that area. Perfect. And then um, from our customer side, we're really excited to have two great customers from the housing sector with us today. So to kick off, we have Louise Darby from Leeds Federated Housing Association. Do you want to give us a brief overview of where you sit in the business and what Granicus product the team are currently using for tenant engagement, Louise? Hi, yeah. Um, my name's Louise Darby. I'm the customer engagement manager at Leeds Federated. We're a small, medium housing association. Our main homes are in and around Leeds, and we've got homes in North Yorkshire, Kirklees and Wakefield. Um so mine's a, a sort of new role or new role in the last months or so to really make sure customer voices heard at all levels in the organisation. My post was created on the back of work they'd undertaken, looking at the Together with Tenants Charter from the NatFed and looking at the um, sort of standards and criteria in there about transparency and openness and respect in terms of how we work with customers, a big priority came through was communications. I joined in April, I think, 2021. And luckily for me, we already had Gov Delivery. So we had the bulk email tool from Granicus. And in my previous organization, again, I'd been working on engagement through the pandemic and with our comms team there, we'd been on a journey to get a digital newsletter, but very quickly had to up our communications game there. So one of the key drivers was creating a weekly newsletter in that organisation that we had product for, but then moving to Leeds Fed um, with a priority for communicating and uh, customers' views that we hadn't been communicating well through the pandemic. We started to explore Gov Delivery straight away and, and create that sort of online email um, 
Is that enough for now? Otherwise, I'll have anything to tell you later, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. Thank you, Louise. Um, last but not least, we have Paul Nettleton from what was formerly the Catalyst Housing Group, um, but now they are Peabody. So, Paul, you've been working with us for quite some time now. Would you be able to intro where you sit in the kind of Catalyst slash Peabody team and yeah. obviously what Granica's product you're using as well? Yeah, no worries. Hey, everyone. I'm Paul Nettleton. I'm the customer engagement lead for Catalyst slash Peabody. Um, <laughs> we're in a really weird place at the moment where nobody's sure whether they introduce themselves as working for Catalyst or for Peabody. So I'm going to say Peabody. By contrast to what Louise said, we're either the second or third largest housing association in the country, depending on whether you believe inside housing or Wikipedia um, and what they say there about the G15. Um I'm within the resident involvement and customer engagement team, which sits within our communities directorate, uh, which is a total number of colleagues of around about 150, I think. In terms of my personal journey, I started working for Aldwick Housing Group in 2011, and I've been through the business. I started in the call centre and I've worked in home ownership and I've been a housing officer, been a project manager. I've done loads of different bits and pieces. My current role is a traditional resident involvement type role. So I work with residents associations, uh, I run scrutiny groups and all the stuff that a lot of you listening probably do as well. With the Bolt, I'm the main site admin for our expression of Engagement HQ, which we call the Garden. Um, yeah, so we're an Engagement HQ user. We've had it since mid-2020. We launched in November 2020 to a small group of customers, and then we put it out in the world for everybody to sort of go and have a look in February 2021. So we've been a, a bang the table and Granica's customer for a couple of years now. Perfect. Thank you so much. So today's format is fairly informal. Um, we're going to dive right in, and obviously we've done some intros then we're going to pass over to Jonathan and our panel for a Q&A around some best practice and experiences in tenant engagement. And there will be an opportunity for the audience to ask any questions as well. So obviously, we've got the chat functionality there. So please use that. And we'll monitor that kind of for Q&A after Ben's hosted that. And then for those of you who want to stay, we are going to do a kind of back end of the platform, how to set up a project. Um, so if you do want to stay for that, um, it is really insightful and in how Engagement HQ is very intuitive to use um, and obviously different techniques and tools that you can use to communicate and engage with your tenants. So I will pass over to Jonathan now. Um, Jono, are you all good to take over? I am. <clears throat> I remember, Paul, when you launched the garden, it was so exciting. It was such a different way of um, expressing what Engagement HQ meant yeah, uh, to an organisation like like yours. So, yeah, well done on that. Um, obviously, we haven't got a list of questions to go through. We haven't prepared in advance. Um, only, only the questions we showed you in the green room before the show. <laughs> so uh, I'll take you through some questions and... Um, and, and it'd just be great for people um, in the audience, so to speak, to, to hear your experiences. So the first one is a big one. It's, you know, accountability and transparency, such a big thing. Did a bit of research this morning and I, and I noticed that DLUC are actually meant to be running a focus group or groups in early 2023 to actually ask people what transparency and accountability means to them. So that, that'll be interesting to hear what comes out of that. But just to kick off, um, you know, why is it so important to your organisations? If And if we start with Louise, if that's okay. Yeah, I've been around for a long time in housing and I think um, you start to... Uh, in terms of thinking about consultation, um, I think the you know the obviously the green paper, the housing green paper, and you know the tragedy at Grenfell and the housing white paper um, has really shone a light about how untransparent, in a way, I think organisations have been. Um, perhaps some people would say, particularly since um, the demise of the Tenant Services Authority, um, where that seemed to be building, and then. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had the rent cuts and resident involvement teams were cut back. But also, uh, I think a culture of perhaps people only needing to know what they 
need to know things on a need to know basis. And I think the obviously the standards in the Together with Tenants Charter and the white paper really opening up organisations and really making them think about um, hopefully, you know, how, especially in scarcity of resources, how we can demonstrate what we do, um, how we can, you know, I guess be open really. And I think in our roles, um, helping, you know, I think there's recognition now that, you know, if you're not open and you appear to be hiding things, then collaborating with customers isn't going to go well. I think, you know, society's moved on and wants more transparency generally. So I think, um, you know, the white paper together with tenants has sort of helped roles like mine to demonstrate to people that, you know, we you can't carry on sort of deciding things in advance, getting all your ducks in a row and then presenting options to people, having worked through what best option is for the organisation per se. I think, you've, you know, people recognise, you know, to collaborate well, you need to be more open from the start and really share what you've got and the the considerations that you've got to take account of. So, um, yeah, I think we're at Leeds Fed, particularly, we're starting to recognise that. I think it is an uphill battle. Some, you know, people often, uh, when they're stressed, want to control things more. They want to have the answer. Um, so I think working together and the respect for professionalism as well and our roles in how we collaborate are really important to consider. But it has to start from a position of being open and being willing to be held to account because obviously ultimately we're we're the ones using people's rent money yeah fantastic thanks louise uh, paul um same question to you really or if you anything to add yeah i mean I, I think louise is bang on um as an industry we're really in the spotlight at the moment aren't we and it's a really unfortunate time actually to find our industry in the spotlight because trust in organizations full stop is at an all-time low isn't it um you know we've, we've obviously as a, as a nation we've exercised a lot more control over people's freedom and things uh, in the last few years that than we have done for a very long time um and with uh with tools in place that weren't in place the last time we did things like this and um, yeah i'm talking about the internet and uh, and social media and all that sort of thing um it's very quick to spread um things like conspiracy theories uh, and that sort of thing and because because people don't know who to trust actually what they'll do is they'll they'll, they'll read something and they'll perhaps or, or they'll they'll talk to somebody and perhaps they'll um they'll think yeah actually do you know what that makes sense um so for us, and like I say, in a housing context, um, obviously for, from from a Peabody perspective, we've had our own um, issues that have been sort of played out in the media. You know, we had the Sheila Seliwani uh, case, which is the lady that unfortunately died in her home. Uh, we've had uh, lots of things on ITV News and things like that about um, about damp and mould and things like that. I think all of those issues, uh, obviously, we, we operate in the area where, where Grenfell Tower is, so we're all quite heavily involved uh, when all that happens. So you take all of those things together and people want to know what we're doing. What are we doing? Like Louis says, they, they pay us rent money and we're supposed to maintain their homes. Um, and if we're going to do that, if we're going to improve people's homes and we're going to improve people's experience uh, of interacting with organisations like ours, then people have got to trust that we're going to do something that they ask us to do when we say we're going to do it. So to come back to your question, John, really for me, the reason why it's so important to us as an organisation is because we, we're in a position where we need to start building that trust with customers. Yeah, fantastic. And that takes us nicely into the next question, which is, the opportunities that digital engagement plays within that. Um, so it's not digital only. Um, I think we've always been saying that, haven't we? But as a consequence of the pandemic, there was a big rush to to go online. But um, how do you think digital? How do you think sort of your digital capabilities can help um, foster that accountability and, and transparency? Um, We'll switch it around because it's only fair. <laughs> Paul, do you want to get start on that one? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about the about the pandemic. You know, we were in a position, weren't we, where actually we if we were going to engage with customers, we had two options. Um, barring the, the 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 prevalence of fax machines in offices, um, which we don't really have. Uh, and so we couldn't use those in a in a glass onion way. Um 
we could phone people and we could check that they were okay. And I think we all did that. I mean, I'm guessing that um, if there are if there are housing people listening to this, I'm guessing you probably did that. You phoned your vulnerable customers during the pandemic and you said, are you okay? Is there anything we could do to help? Um, so we could do that. And the only other option was thing was webinars like this or Zoom meetings um, in terms of getting people together. So I think everybody in the industry and in lots of industries had to change the way that they did things. Um, we're now in a position where it's not as important that we do that as it was before because we don't have those government restrictions in place and things. But I think what's become in its place is a reliance on digital technology, possibly an over-reliance to a certain extent because we're all used to working from home. Uh, it's easier, it's more convenient. And actually, we can do a little bit more, can't we? When, you're, when your house is just down there and you're, um, you're doing evening meetings and stuff, you can perhaps do them, you can make them slightly longer or you can do more in a week because there's not that travel element and things like that. Um, what we really need to do and where I think digital technology really plays a role is as a, it's a tool in the toolbox. Um, and we need to treat it as such. It's not the be all and end all. And actually, really interestingly, um, we've we had this conversation with customers on Saturday. Uh, we had a we had a we had a meeting of some of our involved customers, and we were talking about this very issue, which is that we're not we're not trying to make people interact with us digitally. We know that a lot of our customers want to do that, but actually from an involvement and uh, an engagement perspective, what we want to do is, is give people options because we know that um, a huge percentage of our customers uh, work full time or work a lot or work, you know, shifts, things like that. So they can't necessarily come for a meeting at a community centre at two o'clock in the afternoon. So we've got to think about different ways to engage people that are easy for them, that allow them to engage with us at a time that's convenient, uh, in a way that's convenient and not there's, we're not putting barriers in place. Um, so I think in terms of what it can do to, to help you address the um, accountability and transparency issues that we face as an industry, it's about getting more people involved. It's about having a more diverse representation of people. And it's about creating that permanent record. You know, there's something there that people can go back to and they can see, actually, this is what we said and this is what you did about it. And this is the, this is the outcome. This is the end result. Uh, and something that, that then people can go back to in the future and, and see how their involvement made a difference and how we improve things as a result. Thanks, Paul. Um, uh, Louise, anything? You, I'm sure you'll have something to add on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, um, Adeko, everything Paul says really, um, uh, helping us reach um, perhaps younger people or people who are, are not, who are working or not available during the day or, or don't want to, um, you know, leave the home for whatever reason, I think is quite important. I think that what I would add is is the visibility of it. So, you know, being able to look at somebody's website even um, and see how how those consultations play out when you don't get involved, I think is equally important because I think that's what helps you think, oh, well, you know, the, the organisation is reaching out, is trying. You can see, um, hopefully, when we use engagement with HQ, you could be able to see what people are saying and you can see how the organisation is responding. So I think that visibility over, you know, just to add to, I want to repeat what Paul said, but that visibility of things happening and people being able to see that and it almost, I guess, creating evidence for us, um, I think will help that trust, but it'll also help people be more interested to get involved um, because, you know, because it is because of the visibility, really. So I think that's, that's what um, I think I would say is, adds to it um i think we i think as paul said the pandemic sort of helped us all sort of lift our game really in in a digital way um and how we then sort of utilize that as a as an extra tool where you know that complements the face-to-face -face, um i think is is really important but just being able to be more visible make our websites more interactive um and you know the the sort of safety of responsiveness rather than just using individual tools like facebook or twitter i think being able to bring that back to sort of our websites and what what we offer and have a record of it i think um will help manage all those um opportunities better 
and you know hopefully the report you know the, the tools that we'll be able to use to analyze it in one place um certainly for someone like me um you know will be much easier um yeah 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 i mean there's a few things that really jump out in there in terms of you know getting more people involved more representative participation and that record paul of, mm. of, of, that you can you know loop, you can feed back like you can close the loop um and then on the visibility side it's really really interesting as i was looking at some figures on engagement hq and we have some projects with really high engagement rates like you know 50 percent plus you know people turn mm. it up getting involved and then you have others where there's really you can see there's lots of people who are informed so they've, mm. visited, they've visited the project the page so they've turned up to the community center so to speak online mm. and they've had a look around they've had a read they've talked mm. to someone but they haven't necessarily felt the need to provide any feedback because mm. they're, they're, they're comfortable they've got that visibility they know what's going on and and they and they don't always feel the need to actually take the next next step and engage and i think you know I haven't necessarily thought about as much that as much that way, and that visibility aspect is so critical, isn't it? You know, you know what you know. We know that our landlord's doing the right thing, and and I'm and I'll carry on with my with my day to day yeah. life. Um, but before we go into the in, more into the technology side of things, and um, one one of the things I was quite really interested in was on the leadership side of things, um, how you brought it to the attention of your leadership and how it became a priority. Because one of the things that, you know, we over time, we've quite often seen where there's there's like a champion within an organization who knows this is important, really wants to do it. And but the leadership can in, in a way pay a little bit of lip service or be a, treat it with a little bit of tokenism. But clearly that, you know, for you that hasn't happened and it's more fundamental to the organization. So just be interested, you know, for other people on this webinar who may be struggling with the same thing. How did you manage to sort of resolve that kind of thing? Um, yeah, so I think we've had a number of things going on. We are relatively small and um, we've been through a process of of what we now, I think, the United recognises internal transformation where our housing management system was going out of date and they, they basically recreated a new system. And two years ago, as I started, they were starting to consider more channel shift or there was a project called Channel Shift, um, starting this channel shift. There was no real champions or sort of people banging the drum for channel shift other than it felt like our some of our offer wasn't that good. Um, but we're also having to make savings. And I think um, what we noticed, and I was part of the Channel Shift project, was actually we just weren't using our website to its full effect and because we'd got good delivery and we weren't using that to its full effect, it was almost like nobody wanted to rush in and just buy the next tech solution. Um, but they wanted us to, we decided we wanted to go step by step and be, you know, properly ready and understand what our customers needed rather than just think beyond that conveyor belt of channel shift, if you like, um, as an organization that appeared to be a bit behind the curve. Um, so, you know, luckily for me, my operations director and my manager have come through housing and have, you know, I guess always seen consulting customers and uh, that customer experience as important and collaboration. So they, although they had um, reined back on the relationship involvement, type of involvement, I was definitely brought in on that angle to help develop scrutiny and help to build that. So I think it was a combination of things that, you know, really we had GovDelivery. They're, they're sort of very open-minded. We're a small organisation. They were wanting my role particularly to champion change. So um, when I recently appointed somebody to do, to help with customer insight and the surveys, um, I think we just felt lucky that we knew we had to have, we were trying different things and we'd been using GovDelivery from, not necessarily to its maximum, but from our abilities to its maximum. Um, so we'd sort of been trying to create an online group that we kept in touch with. We were using sort of the principles of behavioral insight to try and recruit more people to our challenger panel. But it was hard work for us to do that. And they'd been talking to us about having some sort of more managed approach because it did feel like we're doing things in a, an ad hoc way. 
Um, and I think we just felt lucky that as we were looking at various platforms like Rant and Rave, um, we were given that autonomy to do it. Um, Luke got, and or I got an invitation to something in a road show that Luke went to actually, and because he's, I won't just say, well, I may just say it. he's younger and he's more, he'd come from a research agency where they'd done digital engagement. He was, he was like lit up by it and said, no, this is what we need. We forget the other stuff we've been looking at. So um, yeah, we've just managed to sort of sell it really in that way. I think in other organizations uh, that I've, you know, more recently been at it is, it can be harder when there are bigger teams you know, hosting the website or I guess um, you've got people with their own preferences for tech. So I think I've sort of been lucky that, you know, this has come along and it's been good timing. But I think particularly because we had good delivery and we showed how we made use of that because it wasn't been used properly, um, you know, and it's easy, you know, it's very easy to use is what I'd say. Um, Sort of later in my notes, I've put down it, you know, in a way, without advertising, is it feels to me like an Apple product as opposed to my Samsung work phone that I can't use. I can use Gov Delivery, and hopefully, I'll be able to use Engagement HQ really easily, um, and that it you know fits together well. So I think we've been able to sell it to them on that basis, and you know they've just been open-minded. Um, but I think I guess a key driver for them as well is is the evidence the you know, the white paper and so on. So it's sort of a bit of a um, you know, perfect timing in a way of being able to argue for more. Um, and this, I think because we're a small team, or not perhaps got the staffing numbers, this will help us. Um, but there's only three of us really that covering surveys, resident involvement and scrutiny. And um, we've got a vacancy. So and we're finding it hard to recruit. So we're able to demonstrate that this makes us, the two of us that are currently in place, much more efficient as well. Um, so I think that that's a big plus. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Louise. And, and Paul, anything from your experience, anything similar, anything different? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to recognise is that the housing world is a notorious black hole of technology, you know, where we we came into the 21st century um, during the pandemic, you know, Uh, I'm surprised we have working internet often. Um, And I think probably people will recognise that in their own organisations. I'm not sure why that's the case. Uh, I wonder if maybe it's that sort of, because a lot of us have come from that local authority background. Um, We've been a little bit slow to adopt modern methods of working, I think is what I'm saying um from our perspective in terms of bringing it to the attention of our leadership it's something we've known for years and i think the two things are are tied together you know it the reason i think that um that housing is a bit of a black hole of technology isn't necessarily because people don't want to use it it's because they don't know how or where to start um but there's a recognition certainly in the organizations i've worked in there's been a recognition that actually we need to do something and we've been talking about channel shift and you know all that stuff um for all a good seven or eight years now obviously i've been through a number of mergers went from aldrich into catalyst and now catalyst into peabody so i've gone from a nine thousand home association to a hundred and four thousand home association without actually moving organizations which is a an interesting experience but what i've noticed was shed yeah. shed yeah i mean how, how many customers can you fit in a in a shed is a question <laughs> that perhaps we need to answer at some point um what i've noticed is that that desire to to do something with digital technology has remained throughout. Um, But in terms of our digital journey, we did a big survey in 2019. We went out to all of our customers. It's 32,000 people it was at the time. And one of the questions that we asked them was, how do you want to engage with us in the future? And an overwhelming percentage came back. I think it was like 84, 85%, something like that, came back saying things like, we want more opportunity to engage with you digitally. Quite apart from that, Peabody did a very similar exercise to all of their customers um, with no sort of collaboration between the two. So we weren't in merger talks at the time and they got a very similar result, you know, sort of somewhere in the 80s in certain percentage terms came back and said, we want more opportunity to engage with you digitally. Um, So it was then really for us that that, that we realised actually now's the time to do something about it because we've got that mandate from customers. Um, And you talk about sort of champions, 
Jono, you know, I know you've met Delphine, Delphine Merlot uh, um, from Catalyst and Delphine is a force of nature. And <laughs> if, as you know, um, and if you tell her, this is what customers want and you can provide some really robust evidence that actually this is what customers really want. She'll fight tooth and nail for it, which is absolutely what she did for us uh, in terms of making sure that we got access to, to the technology that we felt was best um, in order to, to, to meet those needs of our customers. Uh, thank you both for sharing those experiences. Just changing um, tack slightly. So when you actually went to market and we're looking for um, different solutions, um, what was it that you looking for and, and why did you choose Engagement HQ and Gov Delivery? Just be interested on your take on that, uh, Paul, if you don't mind carrying on. Yeah, no, fine. Um, I think, how do I explain this? I've done this in a webinar before. So I think there are three sort of pillars of digital engagement. Um, and the first one is about transactional engagement. So that's the way that people interact with us day to day. That's doing things like paying your rent, reporting repair, reporting out social behavior, things like that. That's something that people are really keen on. I think there's that block level community engagement, so where you're bringing people together uh, within a small geographical area. And then I think uh, there's that sort of overarching scrutiny type approach where actually rather than working with people at a neighborhood level, you're looking, you're seeking to work with people from potentially a very large different parts of a very large geography um, and obviously one of the things that, that we've we've got now is a really huge geography you know we've got Kettering in Northamptonshire is our northernmost point uh, we've got sort of the south coast as our southernmost point uh, and then sort of between uh, Cambridge and Reading and everything in between so this enormous diamond uh, of the country where we've got stock so how do I get somebody from Kettering and somebody from Dover and somebody from from East London and somebody from Reading into the same space so that we've got a representative sample of, uh, of people giving us their feedback. And actually one of the only ways that we can do that is by reaching out to people digitally. And that's quite apart from, um, for, from you know, people's sort of wants as customers and how they want to interact with us. Um, so when we went to market, this was very much for us about the resident involvement part of it and the scrutiny part of it. So it was about how do we make our business better? How do we um, how do we collect that insight from people about the practical things that we can do to give them a better customer experience? Uh, that was specific rather than that sort of transactional or that neighborhood level thing. And we looked at tools that did all of those things. But actually, the main thing we were looking for here was a way to involve people in improving our business. Thanks, Paul. Louise? I'm glad Paul's explained it first because I think, if I'm honest, we were a bit random. We were getting bombarded by various um, – well, not bombarded, but, you know, there's various tools or companies that come around and um, all offering slightly different things, really. So, um, you know, well, I'll just name them. I guess I think some of the – things we were looking at hacked was, you know, coming from that more research and analysis of demographics and population in an area. Um, we had somebody looking at, you know, very much how you automate transactional surveys. Um, so rant and rave, we were interested in terms of the more involved side of the team, just getting that feedback. Um, so we'd, we'd sort of, with Luke starting, we'd started to look at different, different ways of, trying to, I guess, integrate the three methods that we've got of involvement, which are around scrutiny, local engagement, and and also surveys. And um, to some degree, I think uh, Engagement HQ offered us something or it seems to offer us something that we can help blend those different mechanisms that everybody can use and complement. Um, so that's why it that's why to me it seems like the Apple product, some of the other products are really good, but they were just doing a specific aspect of research as opposed to involvement. Um, whereas it felt like for what we needed, um, engagement HQ sort of provided it could provide it all in a way. Um and that yeah, I think like I've said before, that you know, you didn't need to be a sort of technical or you don't appear to be need to be a technical whiz to make it happen either. Um, so for someone like, you know, me, who's just sort of grown up in housing management and customer involvement, engagement and sort of policy review, 
being able to do create something quite simply and um i think what i really like the the sort of the process that it appears you'll go through but also see the reports come out the other end um i think i really love it when i get my um gov delivery report on how many people have opened an article in the customary news and then and how many people have then opened it on the website and da 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 and just that ease of reporting is fantastic for for me and that we can share that and it's it helps build that insight really quickly and is very responsive we've been trying to do is get our communications person to tell us what the feedback is on facebook get the analytics from that get google and and it just becomes so much hard work for a small team and um when we're having to do lots of tasks it feels like this makes life or looks like it'll make life easier um if it's you know if it works well it looks like it'll work in a similar way to gov delivery and better in terms of what we need for involving people so i think um i think that's what um really has helped us argue for it and and you know the desire um to have it really definitely and, and louise did you have any sort of um strategy or you know goals in mind that you you wanted to use you know was there yeah a, yeah a- i mean i think we um we'll we as i say we carried out a sort of online recruitment or an email recruitment drive last year and obviously what we want to do is look at how we did that last year and how we can do that you know we use gov delivery for that and how we can do that this year but with with engagement hq and and how we can add to that recruitment drive from what we've learned our scrutiny panel is called the challenger panel so in my mind i'm yet to get in the detail but i'm hoping that they may want to create an area that they this has more visibility on a website so that they can almost put out um calls for customers to engage with them um that it'll help us promote sort of things like i don't know estate walkabouts where people can sort of comment or we can hold information about what we found out or people can post in pictures you know all that i'm sort of big believer in designing a consultation plan for a purpose and that's how it feels to me like engagement hq would help us so luke and i have looked at what we think we can do in the next six months and we want to within the organization go quite slowly and and master it before we sort of involve more people in the tools but i think we're thinking that if we can engage our challenger panel and help drive another recruitment drive and then a, a sort of more formal consultation project that uses lots of different methods we can show the scale of you know almost collaborating with a smaller number of customers bringing in our opted in group but also reaching out to customers with a lived experience of whatever that topic is but be able to have visibility on on those different groups and what they're saying for everybody. Yeah, that that's what we're sort of aiming to do. It's going to be really exciting to see how you bring uh, Gov Delivery and Engagement mm. HQ together to like mm. increase the size of your audience, but then yeah. all build down and and get that in depth participation. So may, hopefully we'll maybe run this session again in a year and what you've been up to but Paul you're specifically further down your line with engagement HQ um, I have got one eye on the time by the way so if everyone in the audience so to speak don't worry we'll, we'll speed up a little bit it's just such great stuff I, I don't I don't want to rush you um, in terms of you know you're more established with engagement HQ um, what are your plans to for the future um, how do you accelerate your digital maturity for want of a better phrase Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a really exciting sort of couple of years for us coming up. Um, the fact that we're that Catalyst and Peabody are coming together uh, creates a, a huge opportunity for us. You know, um, a year ago, two years ago, um, when we started this, our potential reach was around 60,000 people living in about 32,000 homes. Uh, our potential reach now is around a quarter of a million people living in about 100,000 homes. So the, the reach that we could potentially have with this has, has gone up enormously um, and obviously it's a huge undertaking to um to to sort of to say right let's take what we've got and actually let's expand it uh, and improve it and make it something new but that's exactly what we're doing so we've made the decision that we're continuing with engagement hq and we're gonna 
I, I, do you know what? I always look for like a metaphor here um, and I struggle. I'm building a conservatory in the garden, I think is what I want to say. And we're, we're making it better. We're making it bigger and we're reaching more people. That's the idea. Um, and what we want to do is we want to use what we've learned um, in the last couple of years about the way that the system works. We're familiar with the tool now. We know how the different uh, engagement tools work. We know what works with our customer base and we know what doesn't work with our customer base. Um, so what we want to do is take that and use that insight that we've gained, that hard-won hard insight, um, and use that in order to, to create something that, that really actually can be a bit of a game-changer for us in terms of the way that we run our business. That's that's the plan. Thanks, Paul. Um if we can just just mindful to allow time for questions if we mm. can have um two quick fire rounds now then let's if we do it, <laughs> if we do it that way. um so um feedback from your colleagues and residents any sort of sound bites one word answers on that any stories well to be honest we've not really shared it um other than me and luke and you know I, I, <laughs> he's not on the call but um i think it felt like that you know if you've met luke he's quite um, calm, you know, doesn't give away much, but he was really excited by this. So that sort of was a big, big tick for me that um, he's a relatively new employee. He's not from a housing background. And I think in terms of our recruitment and retention of people, you know, having something for a person of, um, you know, I guess from my point of view, you know, he's in his early 30s, I imagine, something that lights them up, Um you know, is quite important and gives them a focus for their work and doesn't feel like they're just, you know, tinkering around on Google Forms or SurveyMonkey. Having a proper platform, I think, um, is really important for us so that they can see, you know, they're, we're an organisation worth staying with, really. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great to hear. That potential for building a community is, is yeah. and then the yeah. benefits of that in terms of, you know, making people feel that you're transparent mm. accountable but also just you know they're involved and and yeah it's, it's it's exciting um paul yeah so in terms of colleagues the reaction's been been largely positive and um, one of the one of my favorite things actually is when you have that sort of initial meeting with a colleague and they say can you walk me through it can you show me how it works give me some examples of of some of the things that you've done with it and and you you show them a project and you say okay this is a project this is why we designed it this is what we were trying to achieve then you flip into the back end and you go into reporting and you start showing them some of the insight that came out of that project and when their eyes light up and they go wow okay um i had a very similar experience when we were doing the um we did two rounds of consultation in the merger so there was a round last year with the separate organizations and then we did a round just with catalyst customers um at the very end of sorry it was around in 2021 and then around last year and um, at the very end of the year and that second round we actually we used we used the garden, we used the engagement HQ to process paper forms that came in. And um, so we were using it as colleagues, but we were putting the data in because we wanted to use the um, the text analysis tools that are in there um, because we hadn't really used them up to that point. So we were like, well, let's give it a try and see what it says. And um, we were going through the the insight that we got from this all these paper forms that came back. Um, and it was me and my manager. And he was like, this is brilliant. You know, we should have had something like this for, for such a long time. And um, so like I say, it's that... Um, you know, where people's eyes light up and they go, actually, do you know what, could we do it for this? And those ideas start to generate. Um, that's something that, that's really good fun for me. Um, from a customer perspective, it's obviously a slightly different conversation that you're having with them. Uh, it's not about the possibilities, it's about the feedback. Um, but some of the feedback that we get when we put um, project feedback up uh, it's really lovely you know we get some really lovely emails um, there was one lady that that we were working with during the pandemic when we very first started this journey never been involved before agoraphobic so doesn't leave the house very often who said to us if it wasn't for the things that you're doing with the zoom meetings and with the garden and things like that I wouldn't be involved at all and that was a really lovely uh, conversation to have that we'd actually gone and we'd worked with somebody that we wouldn't have come across in in a community center yeah. or in another community setting yeah, I get those anecdotal stories as well about people that just, you know, it's enabled them to get involved. Mm. Fantastic stuff. Well, you know, well, I have got, actually got a few more questions that we have not prepared earlier. Um, <laughs> probably need to allow time for a Q&A. &A. Maybe just before we get, move on to Charlie, we'll go through these, these questions, but maybe just before Charlie does a bit of a demo, uh, maybe if you could both finish with your your top tips, if you can just 
put them in your head now if you and then we'll do these questions and then maybe just close off um, with with some of your top tips so um questions from the audience yeah so we've got a couple of questions that have come up um the first one helen has the number of people taking part gone up with more digital engagement so have you kind of seen an increase in how many people are engaging with your housing association paul we'll go to you first yeah fine um it's been a bit of a bell curve actually and we're kind of on the downside of that at the moment um so the numbers of people engaging went up quite a lot when we started doing this but that was also like i say that was that was lockdown time um we couldn't engage with people in different ways and so there were some other uh, some other factors that you need to sort of you need to factor in there and um, so it did go up it leveled off a bit and now it's starting to come down ever so slightly and we think one of the reasons that it started to come down ever so slightly is because actually we're not promoting the site act- as actively as we were because we're in the process of redeveloping it um so so yes we have seen an increase what i would say also is we've seen a measurable increase in the diversity of customers uh, that are being engaged you know so um so that's really pleasing and that's not just necessarily those traditional diversity metrics we went through a customer segmentation process and um so we when we created these five personalities for our customers uh, and i've got quite an easy way to measure which personality somebody is and they sort of represent the whole of our customer base and we've got quite an even sort of a representative uh, split of people who use the site regularly or at least are registered on the site. Um, so we believe that the people that are using it is a good representative sample of the people who live in our homes. That's really interesting, Paul. Um, I think, yeah, one of the things that Engagement HQ is great for is enabling people that are those hard to reach areas be able to have a voice. Um, Louise, same question to you. I know this is slightly different because obviously it's Gov Delivery rather than EHQ, but kind of how have you found, um, has there been any increase with people taking part and, you know, coming back to you? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think there, there definitely has. And I think that is on the back of Gov Delivery um, because, well, that's how we've used to push out messages. So um, in terms of Gov just in terms of gov delivery i think we're really pleased our open rate for the customer newsletter is around 40 percent, and that's consistently remained high so i think we've also tried to use a sort of behavioral insight approach to the recruitment and um, we've increased the number of people on our challenger panel only by a few but we had um a series of face-to-face sessions last summer about getting to know these federated. So we had sort of 12 people take part in those sessions, but also people um, signed to join what we called a sort of an opted in group with about 50 people who say they will fill out online surveys and sort of take interest. And I think that's what's really, you know, we want to do more with those people, but we, we just started a sort of what we called an in, involved newsletter or email to them where we were putting in links to surveys or asking them to read documents, but it was very clunky. So I think that's what we really want to get going with is, is making sure that um, we're keeping that relationship going with those 60 opted in customers because um, I think without without that regular regular nurturing, they, they do fall away. Um, so, and, you know, we've, we've, I guess we've got to build really, because um, as I said before, we've had a period of, of really, everything has been about survey, survey, surveys, and the relationship side has, has sort of fallen away to some degree. So it has made a difference and hopefully it'll help us continue to make a difference, even in sort of opening up engagement, even if it's a digital engagement to start with, that leads people into other things as well. Perfect. Thank you. Um, thank you for that, Louise. Um, second question from the audience is, do you have any tips on how to use digital tools to create and run a large resident participant forum in preferably a hybrid way? So a mixture of online and in-person events. Paul, have you had any experience with that? 
Yes. Um, funny enough, uh, this is something that we discussed. Like I say, we had a big meeting with a load of our involved residents on Saturday, and it's something that came up there. Um, in terms of delivering things in a hybrid way, it's not something we've really done very much of yet. Um, and so that's a journey we're on as well. Um, but what we have done is we've worked with different groups of customers digitally in order to get to a single result. I think that the tip that I would give, and I'll give an example, we've used um, Engagement HQ in order to facilitate procurement panels. Um, and what we did was we started with a larger group of customers, which was about 15, I think, something like that. And we um, we asked those customers to um read all the sort of the tender the appropriate sections of the tender documents this is on a closed project in engagement hq so it was all secure and things like that um and they did that they filled out a survey that we built in order to get their insight and then in terms of the the moderation what we did was we took that insight and we went back to a smaller different group of customers who looked at that insight and made some decisions about scoring based on it um, so that was a way that we involved different groups and what that did was that allowed people who who just wanted to fill out a survey and do something sort of reasonably quick um, to do that, although obviously there was a bit of reading and stuff like that that aren't necessarily interested in the meeting half of it. Um, and then the people who are more interested in the meeting half got involved, albeit that it was a Zoom meeting rather than a, a face-to-face meeting, um, were then able to sort of add their own insight and that helped us to arrive at those conclusions uh, about which suppliers we should we should offer contracts to. So that's a specific example where we've, we've used the tools in a hybrid way in order to facilitate that kind of engagement. I think the other thing that I would say is that what you want to do is iterate and iterate, iterate, iterate. So, you know, reach and, and reach out to that widest group of customers you can um, to begin with. And then, you know, do that in a way that's easy and simple um, and doesn't cost people too much of their time. And the people who are really interested in doing things like coming to your meetings uh, and that sort of thing will appear over time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll start to understand who those people are. They might not be the same people who fill in those surveys, uh, or they might be, you know, it depends on the individual. But actually, um, if you get a lot of insight, you can sort of filter those people according to their own preferences and their geography, certainly for us. Um, I don't know about the geography of the person who asked the question, because as is so enormous, you know, somebody in Kettering might want to fill in a survey, but might not want to travel to, to Elephant and Castle for a meeting. Um, you know, and obviously the expense that sort of goes with that in terms of refunding the travel expenses and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably what I'd say. So um, give people opportunities to get involved in the way they want to get involved and give them choice about the way that they want to get involved. And that's a really good start, I think. Brilliant. I think you've hit the nail on the head there because, um, you know, one of the things we always say is, when you're doing offline engagement, you're never going to get 100% of people and same with digital engagement. But, you know, if you're doing both at the same time and you give people the choice, it enables more numbers to be able to get involved. And that's ideally what you want as a, you know, as mm-hmm. an end result. Um, and there are some great things. You mentioned it earlier, Paul, about, you know, having the ability to do things like surveys offline and then inputting it onto the engagement HQ platform so that you can then still have that offline engagement, but use all the technology of engagement HQ for reporting and analysis and, you know, doing things like, you know, you can live stream via YouTube when you're running an in-person event and have that plugged into engagement HQ and you can post videos of recordings and you can kind of run Q and A's off the back of that. So it's really about marrying the two together and increasing that engagement rate with all of your customer base and just letting them have a way of engaging that is appropriate for them. Um, Louise, there's a a question specifically here for you um, around kind of are customers involved voluntarily or do you subsidize in any way, particularly with the more involved group that you mentioned, Louise? Um, Yeah. So the, there is a an actual to be on the challenger panel that that, that I suppose I use the words recruitment and there is a sense of take yeah meeting uh, finding out more about us and then willing to commit but also a sense of acknowledging there are certain skills and that you would be doing certain things for scrutiny so that is um, a sort of formalised process with a, 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 I wouldn't say an interview as such but an informal discussion around. Well, these are the, you know, these are 
what the panel expects everyone to be able to do, how far are you away from them. So so that that is a um a, you know, and expenses are paid. That is a, a sort of recruitment and agreement to commit to a certain period of time and to do certain things and sort of terms of reference. Um, the opted-in customers that I talked about, that is, that's just been simply filling in um, a web form saying that you're interested in certain topics and how you would want to be contacted. And that, you know, in, in filling in that form, as not surprisingly, because it is on the website, most people in that say they want to fill in online surveys. So that sort of led, you know, supported again using engagement HQ. Um, and I think, yeah, I, uh, that that's it for that, yeah, if that um, makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It really does. Thank you, Louise. Um, we've got a couple of more questions. Um, so we've got how quickly can an organisation implement Engagement HQ and is there any bespoke work needed? Um, Louise, obviously you're at the beginning of your Engagement HQ yeah. journey, so you haven't yet experienced implementation. Um, Paul, how did, how easy did you kind of find implementing Engagement HQ? In terms of the way that you use the technology, it's really simple. It's really simple to use, um, you know, and there's no real specialist skills required. Um, I have no specialist IT skills and I did the majority of the work. The things that did require specialist skills were either taken care of by Engage HQ or they were taken care of by our sort of digital and IT people. Um, so, so the experience was quite, was, was quite easy, really. Um, in terms of time scales, I reckon, you could as long as you had everybody on board beforehand and all your all your ducks in a row and of course there's always something that might stop that happening i reckon you could build an engagement hq site in six weeks brilliant we usually kind of give that timeline if you know people are ready to go um and you do kind of get that implementation consultant who will work with you and do your training with you so it's a very hands-on training um that allows you to kind of build your site as you're learning the platform and the ins and outs of it um, and what were the ways you promoted the site, Paul? That's kind of relevant for you. Yeah, right? it's more me, isn't it, really? Do you know what? We made a decision early on that actually we weren't going to actively promote it that much. Um, and the reason that we did that really was that we, to begin with, it was a question of resources. There were two of us in the team. Uh, and actually that sort of active promotion requires quite a lot of intensive uh, resource. Um, we also had a had a long and detailed conversation with our data protection people. Um, and they there was a decision made within the business that actually in, to promote this site is marketing, in their opinion. I don't agree, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, I, I think it's core business. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. you... Um, once we'd done that, they said in order to be able to sort of use the the data that we've got in our database to go out to to the masses, as it were, um, that requires you to to write a data protection impact assessment and all that additional work. And we decided with everything else that was going on with building the site and stuff like that, we weren't going to do that. Actually, what we would do is we would see what happened when we grew it organically. <laughs> so we did a little bit of promotion to begin with. We reached out to our involved customers. They were the first tranche of customers that, that were on the site. Uh, and then the promotion that we've done has mainly been using social media um, and it's been promoting specific projects rather than the site as a destination if that makes sense so rather than saying come and join the garden and be involved we're saying come and join our procurement panel come and join our scrutiny panel and you know come and fill out this survey join a focus group and you know we might give you a voucher or that sort of thing and so that's the approach that we took in order to market it (laughs) and in terms of numbers you know um we saw a steady rise the numbers are quite small considering the numbers of um of customers that we have we've got around about 250 registered um participants on the site but one of the interesting things that we're in the process of sort of defining for the future is just how important that number is to us and we're not sure that it's as important as we used to think it was um because it's about the quality that you get out of at the end you know and actually if i look at other numbers i know in the last two years i've had about ten thousand hits on the site from about four thousand people um in you know individuals so that's four thousand different people rather than three people going to the website a lot or something like that Mm. um so 
we've had a good reach just people aren't registering to join and i think one of the reasons that they're doing that is because a lot of the projects that we run are open projects which don't require you to register in order to participate um, and we've done that in a lot of cases because actually a lot of our customers live in mixed communities so where you know where they, we're not the only landlord so where we're doing community consultations we want the views of people who don't live in our homes as well mm. so um you know there's that decision to make about um, how important numbers of registered customers are to you uh, and then just, you know, set yourself some targets. I think that's always really important if that's what's important to you. Understand what good looks like and what you want out of it and then, you know, sort of make your make your marketing plans accordingly, really. That's brilliant. And I think one of the key things to take away from that as well is if you do want to promote it, kind of get your communications team on board early mm. on. And if you've got things like Gov Delivery, utilize that to really promote the site and things like social media, if you, as you said. And, you know, a couple of years ago, who thought QR codes would make a comeback? But things like QR codes around your housing blocks and mm. Um, just encouraging people to take part because they do want a voice and often it's hard to find where they can do that so um, yeah there are a number of different ways that you can promote the site obviously dependent on your goals and whether you want registered participants or whether you just want people to be aware of the site or you know anonymous participation Um, that's brilliant we've obviously hit time at the moment so rather than go into um, a project what we'll do is we'll follow up with everybody that's on this call. And for those of you who would like to see how Engagement HQ and Gov Delivery work, then we can obviously set up some time and organize a kind of one-on-one demonstration that's a bit more tailored to you. Um, but thank you so much for joining everyone. Appreciate the that we have gone slightly over. Um, Louise and Paul, you have been absolute stars. Thank you so much. And I've definitely learned a lot. So, yeah, thank you. Um, Thank you for having us. And if you can both send me your top tips, we'll include them. (laughs) We'll we'll include them in the blurb. I've got three, and they're really quick. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Make sure you feedback to your customers. It's the most important thing to them. Love it. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think mine would be um, consistency. So I think that's what we feel like we're lacking, you know, consistent contact and keeping in touch. Um, yeah, because I know we've stopped and started. And I think people, as long as, you know, you make the effort, people will come back. But I think we lose people along the way with not being consistent in that regular contact. Thank you. So that's all for us on this episode of the UK Consult. And thank you again to our special guest, Louise Darby from Leeds Federated Housing Association and Paul Nettleton from Catalyst Housing. We hope you enjoyed the episode and until next time, that's all from us. Goodbye.